This week's podcast brought to you by jewel-encrusted chalices. Yesterday, a gentleman came to the door because we needed something serviced in the basement. I answered the door, standing there six foot four, wearing my Yukon sweatshirt, and he came in and he looked at me, he said, do you play basketball? And I said, I did. And then he saw my sweatshirt and he said, did you play for Yukon? And I said, yeah, actually I did. And as we went down the stairs to the basement and turned the corner, he said to me, did you ever play with Lobo, Tarasi, or Bird? And I just laughed and said, yes, a long time ago I did play with Sue Bird. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. I think I saw that movie on uh, Connecticut local cable access after dark. A gentleman shows up at the door to service something in the basement, and you're standing there in your Yukon sweatshirt. I just like the notion that there's a late-night Connecticut local access after dark. Well, well, there is. <laughs> or that you but... might be watching it. So, no, there, there, it there is not that. It segues from government meetings, town councils, to uh, uh, a smoky saxophone. <laughs> town councils. Town councils. <laughs> I also love that everybody that comes to do anything in our house is a gentleman. Today, a gentleman was uh, in our driveway. It reminds me of the the cops giving police reports on perpetrators they've just apprehended. Uh, We we apprehended the gentleman with uh, $14,000 in cash and a a suitcase full of wigs. You know, it's always a gentleman, no matter what he's done. Well, and it's apparently to you always that accent. But um, it is. It's always a New York accent. Apprehended. That's another good word that is, you know, usually used only in a criminal criminal context. Or criminal. Critical, yes. In a criminal study. Four out of five dentists. We're gentlemen. You know, I actually use the word gentleman a lot when I simply don't know know somebody's name. I, I don't know what their name is, so I'm going to call I, them I a can, gentleman. I can tell that because you'll be, Steve, have you met this gentleman? I've worked with him for 17 years. <laughs> I probably have done that. I'm sure that. you have. It yes. also suggests that everybody, every, every one of these gentlemen I picture in a silk top hat, tails, a white tie, perhaps a monocle and gloves, which... Does that fit the description of the guy who came to service the basement? No, it does not fit his description as, at all. He was uh, carrying some tools, though, and, uh, and you know, carrying a bucket of stuff. So he wasn't wearing a silk top hat. No, no, I, I'm acknowledging that gentleman is more of a... a what's, you know. your, what's your affectation? You've, you've talked about this, not on the podcast, but you've talked about this with me before, that you want to have an affectation. I want to have a ridiculous affectation. I always have. From the moment, uh, maybe 25 years ago, I was in Rome, and I saw in a shop window an ornate walking stick with maybe like a silver head of a dragon or something on it, and I thought, I should get that. If, if only it weren't $475, <laughs> I would get that. And then, and then I would take it everywhere, and I would be the guy who always took the ornate walking stick everywhere. So you're talking about a physical thing because your personality, you have unique affectations. One would be silently or not so silently correcting people's grammar or pointing out like you did a little bit ago when I just, you know, fumbled over my word. That that could be seen as an affectation as well, couldn't it? Well, no. I mean, that that's that's a, a horrible personality trait. <laughs> I, 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 first of all, I don't really correct people's grammar publicly or out loud. If I silently correct your grammar, you wouldn't know about oh, that's, it. That's Unless true. I'm wearing a t-shirt that says I'm silently correcting I don't think you realize grammar. that you, you, you actually do. You think just my do. presence like, makes people feel like their grammar is being corrected. No, but even if we're sitting at the dinner table and I say something to the kids and if I misspeak or if I say it incorrectly, you, not silently, you out loud correct what what I just said in the, in the way that you think I should have said well, it. <laughs> I do feel comfortable enough around my own family. To correct their grammar, <laughs> particularly my children, who who no, I still have children. hope of speaking I'm you grammatically. Correct my grammar, when I say something to the kids, which is fine, it, it honestly doesn't bother me at all. But but you can't pretend that you don't correct people's grammar. I've, I've out loud. I've corrected your grandma as well. <laughs> oh, Gran.
But as far as ridiculous affectations go, a monocle would be good. Uh, perhaps a deerstalker cap like Sherlock Holmes wore. A top hat. Uh, anything that when you're wa- when you're when you walk into the grocery store or something, they say, "Oh, there's the guy with the X Y Z." Whatever the affect is. Well, you know what? That makes me think. When we were at the NBA All Star Game, however many years ago that was, when we were, it, it was in Atlanta. And happening at the same time as the All-Star Game was the pimp convention. And this was an actual thing. Well, I don't know if it was the, it was a. It was a pimp convention. It was an actual thing. And we were walking through our hotel lobby. And for some reason, the pimp convention had spilled into our hotel lobby. And there were a bunch of gentlemen. You know what? I'm not going to call them gentlemen. There were a bunch of guys in their fur coats holding their walking sticks and their chalices. And yet, and yet, oddly, because this was a convention at the Marriott, they, they had lanyards with yeah, a laminated right. card that said pimp on it. <laughs> they, they, yeah. No, they did not have that. But all this other, everything else I'm saying is true. And they had chalices. They had jewel-encrusted chalices as they were being part of their pimp convention. So may, may which one of for the, a second? would all three of those things be an affectation or would that just be the uniform of the job? It would be an affectation if I wore it, but, right, but at a convention, it's, it's, you pass for normal, but has, has what, what, especially when talking about chalices, has the word jewel ever not been followed by encrusted? You know, when, Could it, has there ever been a chalice that was just sort of tastefully bejeweled? Well, there is a time where jewel is not followed followed by encrusted, and that is when it's followed by Lloyd. Jewel Lloyd is a very good player for the Seattle Storm in the WNBA. And the singer Jewel. There you go. So anyway, but you know what? I was thinking about the pimp convention in a different way recently. <laughs> this was two weeks ago. Our youngest daughter is getting her first communion in a few weeks, and she had a first communion retreat, which is about a two and a half, three hour retreat at the school and church. And the kids go and the parents go and there's different activities. But the last part of it was we were sitting in the church and the the children and the parents, and there was an adult teaching them what the symbolism of everything was. They're talking about the vestments that the priest wears, the stuff that the altar boys wear, the altar servers, because there's altar girls now, the different candles and when they're lit and why. And they also had the chalice that the priest drinks from during mass. And it's terrible, but I'm going to be honest that when he was showing us the chalice, all I could think of were the jewel encrusted chalices that we saw at the pimp convention many, many years ago. Uh, A few days later, this same daughter had her first softball game and only six of her teammates could be there because this is a different town and in in the town where she plays softball uh, it was their day of their first communion so half of her teammates were not there because they were getting their first communion I couldn't be there uh, for her game because I was at a basketball event for for a couple of our older kids but um, I missed her game and I, I wish I could be there because it sounds like it was a pretty competitive and entertaining it was great. Our, our, our daughter, seven years old, had six players on her team. The other team had 11 players on their team. Every kid plays. Nobody sits out. So the other team had 11 kids defensively, all of them in the infield because nobody's going to hit the ball to the outfield. So it was very hard to find a place to hit the ball where somebody wasn't already playing. That team had runners on first and second, one out. Uh, a kid hit the ball down the third baseline, and our daughter was playing third base. And she scooped it up. She, she charged it scooped it up beautifully, was beating the runner from second to the bag when the coach was yelling, touch third base, touch third base. So she ran over there, beat the runner to the bag, stopped about a foot short from third base, took the ball out of her glove and spiked it onto third base. To which the coach said, that's my fault. I should have been more specific. You have to touch third base (laughs) with your foot. I'm so disappointed that you didn't have this on video because I would have absolutely loved to see our daughter do that. And and the best part of it is she's our youngest. So she has been to dozens and dozens of softball games. She's been to dozens of her brother's Little League baseball games. But clearly she's running around with siblings of our, our kids' teammates and climbing trees and doing all that during the games because if she'd watched even 
half of the game she would know that's that's not how you got someone out. She would know that you have never ever seen somebody take the ball out of the glove, throw it at the bag, and have that count as somebody being out. So I I can't believe I missed it. I'm disappointed in that. She did say in the car ride home that uh, Dad, the coach should have been more specific, and I said he acknowledged <laughs> that. And in the future, we'll all be better for it. Well, earlier in in the morning of that same, the same day of her game was the Little League opening day where all of the kids from all of the teams are there. They're wearing their uniforms. There's a little parade. And I don't know how many years ago it was, but um, one of our kids was throwing out the first pitch for, for opening day and you couldn't be there. And so I took video of it and sent it to you so you could see this. You know, it's not a big deal, but you couldn't be there. And and I I wanted you to be able to see it. And then there was a following year where one of our kids was doing something. I couldn't be there. And so I asked you to video it. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but... Was this the year that I hired the courtroom sketch artist (laughs) to send you? No, this was the year that you thought you were videoing our daughter doing whatever it was. And instead, you took a video of our friend's leg who was standing next to you because you thought you'd pressed record, hadn't. And then when you thought you'd press stop, you had actually pressed record. And so you had video of our friend's leg while she was telling a story and you sent that to me. So I would feel better about missing Little League opening day. How do you know it was your friend's leg? How do you know whose leg it was? Because I know my friend's leg. And darn it, it was hers. <laughs> when you watch the Little League opening day, you see all the boys marching down in their uniforms, and they look like major leaguers. Their uniforms say angels, cardinals, whatever. They've got the hat, the pants, the shirt as they march down. They're not marching. It's as they're marching. walking and being goofy. Okay. That's not the point. (laughs) The point is, then you see the softball players. Well, whether it's the kids playing t-ball softball all the way up to the older girls playing majors, and they're wearing t-shirts that say the name of the town and softball and just plain black visors or maroon visors or whatever color. They don't even try to let the girls look like a major leaguer of any sort. I mean, I would be in favor of giving them college uniforms, UCLA, Oregon, whichever the dominant women's teams are in women's softball, and it's year after year, give them those. Not just the t-shirt that says the, the name of the town where the boys get these major league looking uniforms. It doesn't quite seem right. Didn't you play for the A's when you were a kid? Didn't you have an A's hat? Don't you have a lot of pictures of you in I fourth had, grade wearing an my, A's That hat? was my brother's A's hat. He had an A's hat, and I took it from him and, and wore that all the time. My father used to call me the hat with the kid under it because I wore that thing constantly. I don't remember. I don't believe we were major league teams when I was a kid playing softball. I think ours was just the name of the sponsor, the local supermarket, whoever sponsored us. But uh But that doesn't make sense to me. And the other thing that doesn't make sense to me and kind of frustrates me a little bit is when boys are given their uniforms, they're given baseball pants and their shirt, and girls are given their jersey, the little girls, in little mesh shorts. Our seven-year-old is out in farm softball with little mesh shorts, which means either if she wants to slide while the girl is spiking the ball on third base, (laughs) if she wants to slide into third, she's either going to get all cut up or she's not going to slide because... She's not wearing pants. That part doesn't make sense. Hey, I'd, I'd love the, for there to be sort of a pop country band called Little Mesh Shorts. <laughs> and B, so some of I. these teams also wear just tank tops. And our 11-year-old was playing the other night in 43 degrees. And the other team were in tank tops, some of whom weren't wearing long sleeves or any sleeves under the tank top. They were just out there in 43 degrees in tank tops. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to the credit, to the town's credit, when the kids get older, they do get baseball or softball pants. But, you know, I, I just don't understand the shorts for the little girls. And the last thing on my little little league rant is this. Our daughter, the pants that she was given don't fit her great, our, our 11-year-old. So we went to Dick's Sporting Goods to get her some softball pants. And you walk in to our local Dick's. <laughs> And you walk through racks and racks and racks and racks of Little League pants for baseball, for boys. There's blue, gray, black, any color you want. There's the ones that are loose at the bottom, tight at the bottom, whatever. You get to the back of the the section, and there's literally one rack of youth-sized softball pants and one rack of adult-sized softball pants. And 
I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's a mother of a softball player about this. She couldn't find softball pants for her daughter. She went online. They were sold out. Finally, she was able to get softball pants for her daughter. I mean, come on, we can do better. You've got this huge selection of baseball pants. They can have more than one rack of softball pants. Can I say dicks and racks <laughs> more times? Well, I mean, the place is <laughs> called dicks. It couldn't be more uh, truth in advertising here. So, by the way, somebody sent me on uh, Twitter, I think it was, a park bench. You may have seen this. I think it was semi-viral. Uh, I think it was in Los Angeles. Somebody made one of those lovely plaques affixed to a park bench in memory of their their loved one. And it said, in loving memory of Nicole Campbell, who never saw a dog and didn't smile. <laughs> oh, the poor lady. She lived in a dogless and smileless world. And you know what? I, I did see that. And you know how I saw that? I called you into a room and you, made you look you at it. You called me into a room and said, take a look at this. And we talked about this last week. You like to call me away from whatever I'm doing to look at something. So last week you had raked up some of the yard. Usually to say, does this look infected to you? <laughs> last week you had done something to the yard. I was outside and saw what you had done and said, nice job. But then when we were back inside, you called me over because you wanted me to admire it again from the window. And, and I talked about how sometimes you like to pull me away from whatever I'm doing. I like, I like to share whatever. my enthusiasm with yes, you in the hope that it will doing. pull you from your moribund workaday humdrum world so, into a into the, the color world of Oz well, that I live in. <laughs> Technicolor. So this week, every time you did it, I wrote it down. I wrote down what I was doing when you pulled me away. And I wrote down what you called me in to see. And this was just for my own amusement. So You wrote this down? Yes. So instead, of, normally it would just annoy me. But Rather we, than taking the time to just come right. and humor me? No, I did both. But normally it would just annoy me. So instead of letting it just annoy me, I took notes. Is this, that, the, is this our first it. installment of <laughs> passive-aggressive theater? This, this is aggressive-aggressive theater. It's neither. I, I just, it was a way for me to turn my frustration into humor. Carry okay. on. So the first time, I was making dinner. And you pulled me away and, and called me into the living room because you were watching TV. And you called me in to see a guy swearing after he scored a Premier League goal. Do you remember that? Oh, swearing floridly, yes. Yes. So that was that was something that was very impressive that to was you. Granite Xhaka of Arsenal. Uh, I don't have any idea who it was, but I trust that you do. And the second time, it was in the morning. I had made myself scrambled eggs for breakfast. They were sitting on the counter. I was going to sit down and enjoy a hot meal. <laughs> and instead, you called me into your office. And so I went into the office. And when I went in there, it was so on your phone, you could show me a video of the guys running along the limo of Kim Jong-un. So as my eggs were getting cold, I, I got to say, oh, you know, yes, that's hilarious. And went back in and, and ate my cold, uh, cold eggs. <laughs> two observations before we get to your cold, cold eggs. Before I ripped the... Rip that handgun from your cold, cold eggs. No, the, the, uh, I've never summoned you to my office in my life. I know better than that. That's not, you, you did it I've never it summoned morning. you anywhere. You, I, I may have brought my phone to you in the no, kitchen, oh, but I've no, never no, summoned no, no, you anywhere. No, Nonsense. No, no, I, you called me into your office. Come here, you've got to see this. Come here, you've got to see this. You, you do sometimes come in and, and shove the phone in front of my face as I'm, you know, typing away and doing work. But this did, time, did I you... ask you to take a letter while you were in my while, after I summoned yes. you into my take office? Take a memo, Miss Russian. No, but you did call me into your office away from my my delicious looking eggs and show me that video. So anyway, the second observation so you know, was it was it was was it, that not. It was entertaining. Seeing 12 guys in it suits jogging alongside a limo, traveling 10 my, miles an hour just for the purposes of... of my only That's going to be my ridiculous affectation. Anytime we go somewhere in the minivan, jog along the I'm going to get 12 guys in suits <laughs> to jog along the Honda Odyssey. I thought you were going to say you would jog along the Or I could do that too, either way. I, um, the, my only worry is that you will stop calling me away from whatever I'm doing to look at something because you'll know that I'm now writing it down. <laughs> well, I've always wondered what you're doing staring into that computer screen all day uh i know what i'm doing but sometimes i think you're the the uh the uh, gate agent at the airport where they're just kind of tapping 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 on the keys and gazing into the screen and you yeah. don't know what mysteries are on that yes, screen and usually it's a game of tetris in 1995 or something you don't need to know what i'm doing just know that what i'm doing is very very important 
and uh, is saving lives. <laughs> very, very important. 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 I know, and saving lives. We talk about uh, Little League uniforms, and I was at a meeting last week, and I, I saw that I had a text from you, but I didn't have a chance to read it right away. And So when I did have a chance to read it, I just looked at it, and it just said, do you know where our son's cup is? Meaning the protective cup he wears for for Little League. Yeah, it's important. for He can't play without it. Of course it's important. This is the thing. I don't know if it's you or him, but one of you likes to leave his protective cup on my kitchen counter, and I find that disgusting. It's not me. Well, I, I just picture you and, and our son having a good laugh about it. You know, where are we going to leave leave the cup this week or after this game? We're going to put this gross thing on, on mom's counter. But you texted me looking for it. I didn't text you back because I had no idea where it was because it that one time hadn't been left on the counter. But in this... It's a jewel-encrusted cup, yes. by the way. <laughs> I don't know what's funnier about that. Jewel or encrusted? <laughs> Anyway, we were at, I, when I got the text, I was in a meeting. And the meeting I was in, I met someone for the first time. And this gentleman was telling, gentleman was telling. In top hat and monocle. <laughs> yes. He had just flown back from attending a wedding in Orlando. And was consulting his pocket watch. <laughs> and his monocle and his top hat, yes. So at the wedding, the, the people getting married were both, their jobs uh, were to be characters at Disney. And so the follow-up question was, which characters are they when they're working? And I don't remember what, what the, the guy's character was, but I'll never forget this phrase. The, the, the gentleman, the gentleman I just met said that the woman, who the bride, was one of the lesser princesses. That was his phrase. She is one of the lesser princesses. And I, I want to know, I want to get in his mind to see what does he consider a lesser princess? Would that be, you know, Snow White? Would that be Cinderella? I, 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 Would that just be anyone other than Snow White and Cinderella? What is Cinderella a and Snow White have to be the two the, the the major princesses? What are the lesser of two princesses? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it was it was it was interesting and fascinating. So while I was listening to him talk about lesser princesses, I was checking my phone to try to figure out where our son's cup was. It was uh it was one of those wonderful meetings. <laughs> I love these sacrosanct meetings. I, I texted you or called you, but you couldn't respond because you were in a meeting discussing a Disney wedding as if somehow my interruption would... would uh... Well, speaking of meetings, I was also in a meeting um, the other night when a 1-800 number came up on my phone and I just assumed it was a telemarketer, so I didn't answer the call. Well, I wish I had answered the call because I found out later that it was actually the alarm company calling because I was at this sacrosanct meeting. You were quickly driving one of our kids to their Little League game, so we left our oldest daughter home alone for a very brief amount of time. And while she was home, she set our house alarm. But she did it in a way that you're supposed to set it when you're leaving the house. So the motion detector was on, and so when she walked around the house, the alarm went off. She said it was only only went off for about 10 seconds. She went, deactivated the alarm, the siren. The phone rang. She saw that it was an 800 number, so she didn't answer. It, of course, it was the alarm company calling to find out what was going on. They called me. I didn't answer because I was in a meeting. So, so the guy sighed heavily, looked at my number, and decided, what the hell? He called call us Bozo. Yeah. And so what happened when he called you? Well, I was driving to our daughter's softball game where it was 43 degrees Okay, but because that's, she was wearing mesh shorts, little mesh shorts and a tank top. That's not the part of the story I want you to tell. What happened when our, I the missed alarm the exit company? because I now, I'm now <laughs> engaged in a, in a conversation with the alarm company. This is also not part of the story I want you to tell. What happened when you answered the phone, missed your exit? He explained that our alarm had gone off, yes. which our daughter had already called me to tell me about. And what is the password to notify him that I'm, to, to verify that I'm who I claim to be. Right. And you told him the I password. Said it, I said it's one of the following <laughs> nine or ten pa possible passwords. And I gave him those possibilities. And he said, well, which one is it? <laughs> and I said, will you tell me? You've got it right in front of you, don't you? And he said, 
the gentleman said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't uh, call off the police unless you tell me which one of these it is. And evidently, my know. guess was the wrong guess. Can I, this is where I bring up and the so, fact that. And so two gentlemen showed up at our door to ask our daughter. It, it, those two gentlemen, when our daughter was home alone, by the way, were Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. Right. She tied a, a paint can <laughs> to a string and, and knocked them out, fortunately. The best part of this is that it's not like I've changed the alarm passcode in the 14 years we've lived here. We've had the same alarm passcode for the 14, or is it 15, whatever it is years we've lived here. You didn't know what it was. And therefore, our daughter, who was already terrified and horrified because she had set off the alarm, had to then welcome two police officers to the door and let them know that everything was okay because her father didn't know the passcode. Do you see any... I just, I just love that, that. that, that <laughs> a police officer somewhere was writing a report that said uh, uh, the gentleman didn't know the password. <laughs> and the lady was home alone. Yes, so uh, everything was perfect. When we're done with the podcast, I'll make sure to refresh your memory on our alarm passcode. When we're done with the podcast. When we're done, yeah, not, not yet. Since the White House medical staff has been in the news a bit recently... I was in the White House doctor's office on three separate occasions. Three years in a row, I was sitting in the doctor's office at the White House. Granted, the doctor wasn't there and I wasn't ill, but that's when I would go down to do the brackets with President Obama, barocketology, as ESPN coined it. That was the room they used for the makeup artist, and she would put my makeup on while we sat in the, the doctor's office at the White House. So... And do you know for sure that that wasn't the White House doctor doing your makeup? Right. Well, I think only because it was a woman who was doing my makeup, and, and I believe the White House doctor was a man. But uh, but yeah, so that's my brush with current events. Do you remember when we met the White House eye doctor, the, the, the president's eye doctor at I the White do House? I remember that. That was President Bush's eye doctor yes. when we were at a White House Christmas and party. And you said to him, how is his eyesight? And do you remember what he said? I don't remember, but I'm certain you do. He said... A lot better since I became a eye doctor. <laughs> Perfect answer. Speaking of the White House, you've told the story before about um, when we had our picture taken with President Clinton and then you were asked to step out of the picture. And uh, we're going to go on to viewer mail where Jane sent me a tweet and she said, if I ran into you and Rebecca in public, so this is clearly sent to you, I definitely want you in the picture. So there you oh, go. So if so we nice. ever meet Jane, she wants you in the picture. Our friend Hari of Tom, Dick, and Hari. Oh, I didn't know Hara we got a letter Martin. from Hari. We did get, Hello, we did get a letter from Hari. I'm just going to read the P.S. right now. P.S. We, Tom, Dick, and Hari, recorded some viewer mail jingles a couple weekends ago, but are waiting for some sound edits. There's a TDH version and a Harles Markley version, <laughs> the fucked up version. Hope to have it to you soon. So, so Denny with one N, we may be getting a viewer mail segment intro, which would be which would be more than welcome. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Hari. And it occurs to me that um, one of the regulars on our viewer mail seg- segment, our staff physician, f- f- physician, staff physician, Dr. Gary Siegel, is Gary with two R's. I don't know that people could hear that over the podcast, but it's Gary, Dr. Gary Siegel is Gary with two R's, which given our Denny with one N and our, and our Harry who's pronounced Hari, um, it's, it's quite the collection of, of uh, typographical misfits we're, we're collecting here. Well, that, that plays right into some other tweets that we've gotten. I think Denny is, you know, kind of becoming his own superstar uh, in the podcast, the realm of podcasts. Matthew sent a tweet in, and Twitter, by the way, is at, Rebe- at Ball and Chain Pod. Twitter is at ball and chain pod. Matthew sent in a tweet and he said, I think Denny with one N is my spirit animal. I buy gifts not on registry sometimes. And he says, I have impeccable taste. And I've passed out in a hotel lobby twice. Can we see his picture, please? I want to see if my image of him is accurate. Is that all in one sentence? I have impeccable taste and have passed out in a hotel lobby twice. Yes. And, yes. and, and when I passed out in that hotel lobby, my ornate walking stick and my jewel-encrusted <laughs> chalice fell to the floor. This is one sentence. It says, I buy gifts not on registry sometimes. Par- parenthetically, I have impeccable taste and I've passed out in a hotel lobby dot 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 twice so yes that was one sentence from matthew bartleson who is uh 
One Matthew my, with one T? Actually, it's Matthew with two Ts. But then we have Jessica with one S. Jessica sent us a tweet <laughs> saying, I'm Jessica with one S and feel your life pain. I joke with my parents that my middle name should have been with one S. But they didn't stop there. My middle name is Lynn with one N. So she's <laughs> Jessica Lynn, Jessica with one S, and Lynn with one L N. And then we also got a tweet from Michelle with one L. So it's become this whole support group. And, and Denny responded to all of them and said, I'm glad the podcast has created a safe space for those of us with unique names. I, so I, there you go. And, and Denny, by the way, once again, is D-E-N-Y underscore Gallagher, G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R. That's her, his name on Twitter. Gallagher with the normal number of L's. Correct. I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, but Steve Delope, the great French ski jumper, who I first encountered at the 1992 Winter Olympics in Albertville, France, Steve with three E's, S-T-E-E-V-E. And if I were to ever change my name, it would be to Steve with Maybe, maybe that would be your affectation. My ridiculous affectation. I like it, yes. David also sent us a tweet. Last week we mentioned that you had lost the syrup for two days and it was in the cabinet. And, and David's question was, or statement, his tweet was, hopefully he kept it refrigerated, but not sure if you need to actually. No, we don't refrigerate our syrup. You don't need to refrigerate our syrup. But this is a question that comes up every time we're with your family. Well, Do you need to refrigerate Bailey's? And the answer is no, of course you don't. This came up last summer. We were at my sister's. Did we Google it? No, we didn't Google it. You Googled it by asking me. <laughs> oh, good heavens. So, of course not. So my brother-in-law was saying we, we brought them a bottle of Bailey's. This is in Minnesota. The reason, cabin. We, the reason we bring them a bottle of Bailey's is because... They buy us $4,000 worth of groceries no. every summer, and we bring I, them a, a $30 no. bottle of Bailey's. But the Isn't real right? reason is because I like to drink, drink Bailey's, right. and so we bring them a bottle so of what I like to have. And yes. our brother-in-law said he had one already in their liquor cabinet there, but that it was old and it clearly expired or gone bad. He was speaking about it as if it were milk. And he said, well, of course these go bad. They have to be refrigerated. It's a dairy product to which I said, horse Please. hockey, not hogwash or some other you, 18th that's century. That's your affectation. Yes, you say yes. horse hockey. If I'm wearing a monocle and a top hat, I'm going to say horse hockey, <laughs> like uh, like Colonel Potter in right, uh, MASH. Exactly. So, uh, so no. I think his I mean, was horse fooey. No, it's horse hockey. Are you it's, sure? I'm positive. Okay. So, uh, um, so what were we talking about? The Bailey's. Bailey's. No, but what what led us to Bailey's? Of course, Bailey's doesn't need to be refrigerated. Yes, you you said your your brother-in-law told you that you had to th- throw the old stuff away because it hadn't been refrigerated because it was dairy, and you're saying, no, it's not horse hockey. Horse in, hockey. In fairness, we've never had a be- bottle of Bailey's last long enough to know whether or not it could could go bad. Which so. is probably your first mistake in keeping it around for a year. So, so David, so you know, you, you neither have to refrigerate syrup, nor do you have to refrigerate Bailey's. At least we don't, and we seem to be And look fine. at us. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> look how we've thrived. We've got another tweet from Jacob. He's the one who offered to bring the car in to get it serviced, and his follow-up was, keep me posted on your mileage. So, Jacob... Since I'm the one who primarily drives the minivan, we are nearing a thousand miles overdue. But either Thursday or Friday of this week, I've looked at my calendar and I plan to take the minivan in to get its two new tires and to get its oil changed and whatever other ridiculousness they're going to tell me our minivan needs. So Thursday or Friday, the problem should be taken care of. But yes, we are approaching a thousand miles overdue of service. Do you think there's any chance that the service technician, the gentleman who services the minivan, will say that what your Honda Odyssey needs is a gentleman or 12 to run in business suits <laughs> I beside think, it as you drive? I think there's as good a chance of that happening as there is that you would take the minivan in on Thursday or Friday because I've seen your calendar too. <laughs> Our friend Josh in Wyoming writes, irony equals reading an article about agility and athletic ability and falling down the spiral staircase in front of your kids after you just barked at them to pay attention to what they're doing. When the ringing in my ears stops from their laughter, I'm sure my butt and elbow will really hurt. In the meantime, their laughter is deafening. So he fell down a spiral staircase, our guy Josh. How do you fall down a spiral staircase? I can see a regular staircase, but a spiral staircase, you, you kind of have to keep making a turn, don't you? And, and Josh, yeah. is Josh living in the... Uh, the Waldorf Astoria in 1905, or what's what's happening? Here? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen a spiral staircase, so I, I don't know the answer. 
Sharon sent us two tweets. Her first one was that she also knocks her glasses off the nightstand and leaves them until morning. By dumb luck, she hasn't stepped on them yet. See, I think I've knocked my glasses off the nightstand twice in the past year. This is, seems like it's a regular occurrence for other people. Maybe maybe they're reaching for their alarm and they knock their glasses off. Like, when do you, how do, how do your glasses get knocked off the nightstand, just out of curiosity? Well, in fairness, my nightstand is a teetering Jenga tower of books, magazines, iPads, newspapers, and, and yours is barren, much like your intellect. So... You just put your glasses. It's a cheap shot and a joke. Nobody. And it wasn't please, nobody. even funny. No, it wasn't funny. I have, a, I have a book on my nightstand, and I put my phone there. But I like a clean. I like a. I like a clean surface. So that's why your 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 glasses fall off. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I yeah. I, I ordinarily the last thing I take off. I mean, the only thing I take off before I go to sleep is my glasses. glasses. If I've been reading and I and the lights are now off. And I try to place them somewhere on this pile of stuff on my nightstand. And sometime in the night, it'll just fall off of its own accord. You say this, though, as if the Jenga, Jenga pile of books and magazines and whatever is someone else's doing. It like, doesn't bother me at all. I have books. I read books. I just don't have them all piled on my nightstand. Yes, but what if somebody, what if, what if some in-flight magazine ever asked you, what's on your nightstand right now? <laughs> You'd have nothing to tell them. You and I really are quite opposites. I, I was thinking this the other morning. In our bedroom, we have blinds. They're these bottom-up, top-down blinds. So you can either push them, you can open the blinds from the bottom and push them up, or you can go from the top down, or you can do both. I am always a bottom-up blinds. That, that's what you do. The better sunlight comes in, you are always the top well, down I like, on the I like blinds. So, so if anybody's out on the street, they can just see me from the neck up. I like to walk around <laughs> wearing only a dickie. And therefore, I, I just have they, so the... They just yeah. think you're the guy yeah. in the turtleneck, right. dickie. Anyway, I just... It's no matter what it is, if there's a choice to be made, if there's two ways to do something, or a mul mul multitude of ways, you and I are not going to choose the same one. Uh, Lauren. Lauren would be like to be our resident teacher. Can we Can we approve that? Well, she has, to, of this she has to send more than one email. To she has to show her accreditation, a renewal of her license. What? what, yes. what, be, what I'd prefer what's... if she was a blue. If she came from a blue ribbon uh, background, but mention our our Gmail account, please. That's uh, that's uh, ballandchainpod at gmail .com. Does it help that Lauren is a fellow tall person? She's six two. Yes, that helps a lot. By the way, she says, I believe I have fishbowled you at the final four in ninety eight and oh five. Fishbowled you. I like that. Oh wow! And and seven years apart. How did she fishbowl me, or did she not go into that? Well, I think I think we talked earlier about when you're in right, there. Right, right. I didn't fishbowl. know if the rest of her email well, she, referred no, to that The rest of the email, actually, is um, what I'm getting at. Um, she titled the email Responsible Driver because when she listens to our podcast, she feels the urge to tweet and comment on the things that we're talking about, but she finds herself forgetting the quipper comment by the time she gets to school and then the day takes off. I have this problem all the time where I... I I think I have entire books that I've written in my head while driving somewhere, but by the time I get there and can write them down, the thought has vanished. And generally, where you're, wherever you're going, you're getting there late because you've missed the exit for yeah, a variety yeah, of reasons. Yeah, between phone calls from the alarm company and the police, I, I try to jot these things down. Anyway, Lauren writes, currently my husband is out of town hunting turkey, who are proving to be smarter than him, and I, and I am in what I call single mom mode. Do you find yourself switching into single parent mode? What does that look like in your house? Well, we've talked about this before. What it looks like when you're in single parent mode is that our kids are eating Eggos or cereal for dinner or whatever. It's a breakfast for dinner palooza. They may or may not have taken a bath recently if they're young. They're, they're, our daughters may or may not have had their hair brushed before school. What else? That that was what your single parent mode looks well, like. Well, Lauren was in Australia over Thanksgiving for her sister's wedding, leaving her husband and three children behind. And his first text to Lauren was asking where something in the house was. Now, she was in Australia. <laughs> And was supposed to find what he couldn't in the house. Well, I was on an airplane last fall flying to Minnesota during the WNBA finals, uh, but I had internet on the plane, so you were able to text me. You texted me while I was in the air, do you know where our daughter's shin guards are? And so I had to text you back to let you know where the shin guards were. Of course, they were where they always are, but uh, With but the yes. cup on the counter. Yes, right, Exactly. Uh, Andy will be flying to Minneapolis this week, then driving to Iowa for his daughter's graduation on Saturday. It's his first trip to the Twin Cities. Any must-do things you can suggest, please don't say Mall of America. Mall of America is in my hometown of Bloomington. I would suggest 
uh, leisurely drive through Bloomington, seeing the great sites, Bloomington Ice Garden, Nativity of Mary grade school, perhaps a drive through Southbrook, former home, but psychologically permanent home of Steve Russian. But honestly, I would suggest that you walk around Lake Harriet. Wouldn't oh, you? I love Lake Harriet. It's my, my absolute favorite place. When, when I'm doing games in Minnesota, sometimes I will take an Uber uh, out to Lake Harriet to go for a run. If there's time for me to do that, I love going to Lake Harriet. But I'll throw this in. If you live in Minnesota, if you've been to the Mall of America, most of you, if you've been to the Mall of America, have walked right by Long Tall Sally. But I want you to know that there's a women's clothing store in the Mall of America called Long Tall Sally. And it's made for women who are my height and taller. And whenever I tell people, you know, when they ask me where you can buy some clothes, and I'll say, well, if you want shirts that are, have sleeves long enough or pants that are long enough, you can check out this place called Long Tall Sally. And I recently have had someone look at me with just pity and say, oh, the tag in your clothes says Long Tall Sally. And yes, indeed, in some of my clothes it does. Now, do you have to be both long and tall to shop there? And you have to be named Sally with two L's, yes. Well, speaking of Sally with two L's, you read a tweet from Jessica with one S. She evidently also sent an email because here in the stack, I'm Jessica with one S. In my senior yearbook, she adds, there are two separate times where my name is spelled correctly on one page and incorrectly on the opposite page. In a few cases, when she has had to fill out paperwork and then give that information to someone who types it into a database, she has been asked if she realized that she had put Jessica with one S as if she doesn't know how to spell her own name. Well, the, the one place that it's interesting to see how your name is spelled is if you ever get anything from Starbucks and they ask for your name, they don't usually ask how to spell it. And so even Rebecca, which is spelled R-E-B-E-C-C-A, there's a variety of spellings, but that's the most common one. Sometimes, or very often, actually, I'll get R-E-B-B-E-C-A or uh, you know, some other... Do you ever get other... the K-A-H? Yes, I have gotten the K-A-H, but that's a, that is a legit spelling but yes do you ever get something just completely different like bort i've not gotten bort have you ever gotten bort no but when bart simpson looked for his own personalized license plate at a disney like playing you know the stories <laughs> the, the the twirly racks with you know alphabetical license plates and when you were a kid you would look look for rebecca i would look for steve yes. uh, bart simpson looked for bart and they they, they had like bert and they had like b-e-r-t and b-u-r-t and then he gets to bort b-u-r-t and says <laughs> oh bort but they had no bart well our children our two of our kids have that problem have, have they, they never have they never and, have yeah the license plate at the spinning rack they don't even bother to look which is kind of sad yeah and, and completely our fault i'm guessing jessica with one as denny with one n never got their uh, personalized uh, pocket knife at Cape Cod. Here's a, here's, a, here's a tweet from Sharon, and she said, when calculating the run pace that matches your podcast, because we've talked about this in the past, because people have said they exercise listening to this podcast, we said, well, what pace is our podcast most friendly for? She said, when calculating the run pace that matches your pod, keep in mind that people can listen at different speeds. For example, I listen to, the, to most pods at one and a half speed. It drives my husband and kids nuts, but I get through more episodes in a day this way. You don't really listen to podcasts. No, I do. I do occasionally, but I've never listened to it, to it at uh, one and a half speed. I have, Isn't it an Alvin and the Chipmunks-like experience? A little bit. I have accidentally put a podcast on at one and a half speed and then got it to uh, two. You can even go two times, and it's it's a little bit ridiculous. We sh- I, I, I'm going to actually, I need to do that, listen to ours at least a little snippet of ours at one and a half and two times regular speed to see what see what we sound let's like. Let's do a test next week. Let's let's inhale from a helium balloon and <laughs> and then talk slowly. And then talk slowly. No, and then and then see if for the people who listen at one and a half speed, if we're even less intelligible than we usually are. Uh, Rob writes, I'm up in the Twin Cities this weekend visiting my daughter who's finishing up her junior year at the University of Minnesota. The wheat fields in St. Paul are a spectacular sight. He's quoting Lobo yes, he from is. last week. I tried to look for a Tom, Dick, and Harry gig Saturday night, but there was not one to be had, unfortunately. Everyone up here is so friendly, Steve. Being raised in the Twin Cities, could you please define Minnesota nice? I thought Rob was going to ask for a recommendation of what to do when he's in Minneapolis, and I was going to tell him to look up Andy, who was going go. to Iowa for his daughter's wedding, uh, for a wedding. Minnesota nice. For people who don't know, Minnesota nice is this shtick that Minnesota has, that everybody there is so nice. It's on T-shirts. It's on bumper stickers. And um, while there are generally the same level of 
meanness in the Twin Cities as there are in the rest of the world. I mean, I have been flipped off on the freeway no less frequently there than I am here. But that was probably by one of your siblings. It was, yes, in fairness. But but people are friendly in sort of everyday transactions. If you're if you're writing a check for eggs and lottery tickets at at Super America or a holiday gas station, people are very friendly. And, um, and, and people outside of Minnesota might not realize that still in Minnesota, and especially in the past, personal checks were a big thing, even for little items. It wasn't like the rest of the world. You write a check to pay a bill, but if you're out somewhere spending $5 on something, you don't write a personal check, but that's something they do for some reason in Minnesota, but they do it with a smile. They do it with a smile, even though they don't take the checkbook out until they've been rung up and uh, and now they know the total and now you fumble for the, for the checkbook. Ralph writes, in about 1969, my baseball glove purchased in my teens as a gift was carelessly left on the lawn by my eight-year-old brother for me to run over with a lawnmower, rendering it useless. The, the email goes on, but I just thought the poignancy of poor Ralph getting his beloved baseball glove and then running over his own baseball glove is the kind of thing that would have happened to me as a child. But his ability to continue to blame it on his brother, you know, that this still happened, comes this up This happened at, in 1969. You can yes. tell that was his rosebud, that baseball glove. And, and um, Ralph also only found license plates that said Rolf when he went to, <laughs> when he went to Disney World, which is also sad. Jerry in Texas encloses a screenshot of a Richard Deitch tweet from The Athletic, formerly of Sports Illustrated, talking about the NFL draft. And the headline says something about the various draft experts, the Mayocks, the Kuypers, and the McShays. He's asking me, are there more than one of these people? This is a kind of a thing that people do linguistically where they say, your Tiger Woods is, your Michael Jordans, your LeBron James is one. Of course, there's only one of these individual unique people. I have no problem with that. I have, I'm not the, I'm not the grammar police or anything like that. But it reminded me that somebody on Twitter asked me recently to weigh in on RBI versus RBIs when we're talking about plurals. Obviously, it's referring to runs batted in. So some people are sticklers and say, well, then it's then it should be RBI, runs batted in, not RBIs, because you don't say runs batted ins. But uh, I, I can say squarely, firmly that. It is RBIs. I, I am also annoyed when people say RBI is the plural. They might think they're technically correct, but uh, it sounds ridiculous. You realize you're just speaking to, like, oh, I don't I, know, I, this tiny fragment two, of two, people who... Two who, things. I didn't realize that the microphone was still on or that you were still even here <laughs> or that I was even saying this out loud. This, this is just this is just a, a cross-section <laughs> of, of what's happening in my brain right now. It's a, it's a, it's a hamster on a wheel just, just spinning. Just there you go. So I have two more. One, but I'm not the only one because clearly uh, Jerry in Texas had the same Well, same well thank you so much for that. Mary sent us a tweet. You're not a real ball and chain listener until you follow Denny Gallagher. Hashtag Denny with one N. I think he needs to have his own hashtag. Let's just let's just start that Denny with one N. And then what is Denny's what, following on Twitter or where is yes, this? Yes, yes. We Denny D E N Y underscore Gallagher G A L L A G H E R. This is at Twitter. And then finally, Maria sent a tweet and said, "Of all the TV or TV appearances you've done, do you have a favorite?" Because which TV appearance did we talk about? Maybe um, when I was on Jeopardy, I think. So I also had a chance to be on Martin um, right after the Olympics. I was on with Don Staley, Cheryl Swoops, Teresa Edwards. That was an absolute blast. And that repeats blast. like twice a year, that repeats. That, that's on a lot. And uh, and we actually, we were filming and he had he has two, had two houses. We went to one of them because there's a basketball court, played a game of pickup. Then later that night went to his other house that was out in the hills. Beautiful, just kind of hung out. And then I was on an episode of Sister, Sister. I don't really remember much about that. But this is actually good timing because last night, I don't know what channel it was on, but Jerry Maguire was on TV. And I filmed a scene in Jerry Maguire that ended up getting cut out. So I'm nowhere in the movie. Although I do get every year a check for maybe 30 or 35 cents as a residual for being in Jerry Maguire. So I I filmed a scene in Jerry Maguire and I didn't know that I got cut out of it until I went to the movie premiere. I was invited to the premiere, which was on a boat in New York City on the Hudson River, I guess, and went to it and watched the whole movie and saw that I wasn't in it. But my That's how you found out? That's how I found out, which was fine. I didn't really care. But my my most vivid memory from the premiere is 
being in the bathroom at some point, washing my hands and a woman coming out of a stall with some of her friends and they were talking and saying, you know, oh, you know, he was great. We were so excited how it turned out. What a great movie. He did great. And it was Jonathan Lipnicki's mom. And I'm assuming, you know, her sister or her friend or whatever. But um, but that's my my strongest memory of being at that movie premiere, which I don't believe Tom Cruise was there. I don't remember if Cuba Gooding Jr. was there either. But the most vivid memory I have of filming the scene from Jerry Maguire was it was a scene where he was walking through the agent's office. This is before he'd gotten fired. And he was in his suit. And I, I was just standing there looking at pictures or something. And he walked by and said, hi, Rebecca. And I said, hi, Jerry. But the, the memory that, that just is burned and seared into my brain was the shoes he was wearing. And I don't know if it was for me or if he always wears these. But the sole on these shoes was, I don't know, four or five inches thick. He was trying to be a lot taller than he actually was. And again, I don't know if this was because he had to walk past the 6'4 woman. They didn't or, have you walking in a trench. Yeah, I think I'm surprised. Maybe that's probably the sole reason they cut that scene out of the movie is Tom Cruise did not want to be seen standing next to a woman of my height, of my stature, of my long, tall Sally-ness. But yeah, so those are my those are my vivid memories well, of, on of a, being on, a, on that. On a future podcast, we should get into some of your uh, your film appearances and non appearances. Um, I remember you were up for a role in the Saturday Night Live vehicle superstar, oh, Mary Catherine right. Gallagher's high school friend. Yeah, I think you I declined met with that the writers. one. I had a breakfast with them at the Plaza at the restaurant, I believe, at the Plaza Hotel. This was after I'd read the script to tell them that I wasn't interested. But yes, we can get we can get into and, and I remember we can uh, get into that in another you podcast. Were, you were contacted about uh, dodgeball too, about being in dodgeball. I don't remember that. I do that, remember that. But um, that well, was after I met that. you. So yeah, I I do know that when I read the particular script for Superstar, and one of the lines they had my character saying, I was not quite comfortable with that. So and you so I took to, the breakfast meeting. Weren't but, you supposed to be in a, in a Catholic? school uniform with a retainer wearing wearing like the headgear i believe i was yes so they would have been portraying you in the most flattering possible light yes with words coming out of my mouth that i would have been horrified for my children to hear so there you go (laughs) well i think we've said it all i'm going to let uh while we wait breathlessly for their viewer mail segment intro that they're working on now i'm going to let and we wait for our next Uber driver confession. We'll have one of those, I'm sure, next week. Yes. We'll uh, now let Tom, Dick, and Harry Harles Markley play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous Well, we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane